What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for taking this time to listen to a message by Prophet Kevin Leal. No one has impacted my life as much as this man has. He's been a true spiritual mentor and spiritual father in my life for countless years, and he's helped me to get to where I am today and continues to propel me towards the future vision and purposes that the Lord has in store for me, our church, and the kingdom of God all over the world. Be blessed and buckle your seatbelt. Well, how many ready to have a divine visitation from the Holy Ghost? Now, I don't apologize for being aggressive because I believe that Jesus was aggressive. I'm not Prophet Peter Pan taking you to Never Never Land. So you got to understand that there's got to be a shift whenever you want something to change. So, so tonight, I really believe that if you open up your soul, you open up your spirit, and there's a difference between your soul and your spirit. Your spirit is that born-again part of you where Jesus and your spirit become born again and you become one new man. Everybody say, one new man. One new, man. One new woman. <laughs> but your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your conscience, your memory, your personality. And the majority of work in any Christian is going to be in the area of the soul. And if you don't understand the dynamics and how your soul is made up, the devil would destroy your entire life. How many understand that the devil's not going to stop talking to you? I remember years ago, I was just starting to preach, and this lady came up to me. She says, uh, Pastor, would you pray a prayer to make the devil stop talking to me? I says, Lady, if I could pray that prayer, I'd be the first one in my own prayer line. Devil not going to stop talking to you. Look at your neighbor and say, the devil. The devil. Say it with contempt. Say, the devil. the devil. Say it with an attitude. Say, the devil. The devil. Is not going to stop talking to you. And you're supposed to talk back to the devil. Because the devil's always sowing seeds in your soul. And if you don't identify that's a devil's seed, it'll grow up and destroy your entire life, take you sideways. You marry the wrong person, get in the wrong business, go to the wrong church, just all kind of stuff. So today, I want to teach you some things that I believe is going to really help you have tools to get back to the place that God wants you to go. Now, there's a lot of messed up people in this room today, but you don't know you're messed up. A lot of you messed up. Let me ask you a question. When Adam and Eve fell, how many heard about the fall of Adam and Eve? How far did they fall? That's an interesting answer. All the way. Well, how's, what's the bottom of all the way? The bottom of all the way is animal nature. The bottom of all the way is that you become animals. And so our journey back to where God wants us is the journey back to be the son and the daughter of God. And the way you get there is day by day, conversation by conversation, measurement by measurement. Everybody say measurement, measurement. By, measurement. by measurement. The Bible talks about measurement, but sometimes use the word judgment. And so in the English and the Spanish and the Portuguese, the Italian and the French, when you hear the word judgment, you think punishment. Everybody say judgment, judgment. 
is not punishment. <laughs> Judgment, Judgment is restoring to balance. In other words, God's going to measure you. How many understand the organ of balance is in your inner ear? And that's why when you get an ear infection, it's like you get vertical. You don't really, you can't walk straight. You get kind of loopy inside of your head and you walk sideways. Why God put the organ of balance inside your ear. That's why Jesus said, be careful what you hear. You're going to go crazy. You're going to go sideways. And so today, some of you got some crazy thinking in your head. Oh, you got some crazy thinking in your head. And so what I want you to do is identify it and remove it. Everybody say, identify it and remove it. Identify it and remove it. And so if you don't identify and remove it, it's like cancer starting. It will take over your whole life. So you've got to measure this stuff. And when you're born in an area or you're in a country that is politically correct not to say certain things, well, I don't want to say anything bad about them. Listen, we got to love what Jesus loves and hate what Jesus hates. That's why I said I'm not prophet Peter Pan, taking you to never, never land. Jesus said that's the devil. That's a snake. That's a lie. You're deceived. Or he said, this is my father. This is the kingdom. Do you understand that? And so wherever you don't measure, you're going to get messed up. And so when I preach this, it's going to cause a domino effect for many of you to go back even to the beginning of how you were raised in your own family. And let me tell you, the hardest thing to measure is your own parents and your own grandparents. You know, I was with a lady a couple of years ago, and her grandfather uh, had like four or five different affairs. He was alcoholic. He was just a loser. Just a loser. And I said, I want you to say this. Say, my grandfather. Well, not your grandfather. He could be a good guy. <laughs> How many know what Selah means? In the Bible, it says Selah means think about it. I was in this church with a bunch of baby Christians. I said, Selah. He turns around and goes, La. <laughs> I says, no, 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 no. It's Hebrew for think about it, meditate on it, chew on it. And I said, I want you to say your grandfather's a loser. And she goes, I, I, I can't say that. I just can't say that. Well, I said, was he a loser? Yeah, but I can't say that because he's my grandfather. And you got to understand about God. He doesn't have any problem talking about your daddy. When they're about to raise a king, he says, okay, king, don't be like your crazy father, and I'll bless your kingdom. Or he said, be like your father, I will extend your kingdom. And the people that have the biggest influence in your life is the family you came out of. Even if they weren't there, because now you have missing issues in your life. And so today, we got to identify those things if we're going to get to the thing that God wants us to be. And we're going to have identity. And it's going to get like the Spirit of God is going to come in here and deal with some issues. And it's going to get pretty dicey in here for a second. Because some of you have been believing this stuff for a long time. I was picked up at a city. I'm, I'm going to leave the city unnamed to protect the guilty. But I was talking to this pastor. And, and I said, hey, tell me about your family. And he was a young pastor. And I said, well, we got a, 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 my, my parents have a daughter. My parents have a daughter and me and my brother. I said, where's your brother live at? Oh, my brother is in the rural part of the state. I said, what part? What does he do? And I kept pressing him. He goes, well, really, he's in prison. The rural part of the state. (laughs) 
I says, you just made up that so that you didn't have to be embarrassed talking about your criminal brother. Everybody say, look straight in the face of reality. Come on, say, look straight in the face of reality. The word truth is not abstract. It means kingdom reality. Turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 33. It's a very familiar portion of Scripture. Many people know it. But I want to tell you how to use this to a little bit greater degree. And it's in context with the mother scriptures, but for the sake of time, I want to just kind of keep it packaged so we can get to where I really want to go to. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be measured unto you, or they'll be added unto you. Everybody say addition, addition. or subtraction. Come on, say addition or subtraction. This verse says God's going to add things to you or he's going to subtract things to you. Don't seek first the kingdom. Don't seek his moral righteousness. And these things will be subtracted from you. So whenever you see somebody living around your life, they're going to either have addition or subtraction. And when you get in a relationship with them, they're either going to add to your life or take from your life. Come on, is anybody hearing this? Everybody shout, loser. loser. Come on, shout, loser. loser. God's going to show you some losers in your life, and you need to get them out of your life. You got, you got to get that human mercy out of you. If they don't want to take correction, they don't want to have God deal with them, they don't want to have truth, you got to accept that. If you're married to him, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> Let me give you a word of husband wisdom. Don't call your wife loser. It won't work out good. <laughs> but then it says over in Matthew chapter 7, see, these are not chapters. They've been broken up in chapters for the sake of research and for the sake of how to get to the chapters and the verses. But then it says, judge not lest you be judged. For with the same judgment you meet to other people, it'll be measured by you. So here's the question. Should we judge or not judge? Yes, what? Yes, not? Yes, no. How many say we should judge? How many say we shouldn't judge? How many are afraid to hold up your hand because you're afraid to judge? <laughs> You need to judge. If you don't judge things, you'll just be all messed up in your life. Judgment means identify, measure, see if it's good or see if it's bad. But what he is saying is that don't judge after your animal nature. Do all your measurement by the kingdom of heaven. Do all your measurement by the moral righteousness of God. See, I know there's a lot of women here. You picked a loser for your first boyfriend. Well, he doesn't have a job, but he's going to get one. But he doesn't have a job, but he's going to go back and finish high school. But he's going to get a job, but he's smoking weed all day, but I love him. Loser. Loser. But be, you let your soul get all wound up with him. You had sex with him, and now there's a soul tie. And now it's hard to say, loser. And so you got to measure this stuff. And so what he's saying is, judge not in the flesh, else it's going to come back to you. 
But if you judge by the kingdom of God and moral righteousness, all these things will be added to you. Now, the word there is righteousness, but it should be moral righteousness. Everybody say absolute moral truth. Come on, raise your volume and say absolute, absolute. Moral, truth. moral truth. Absolute, absolute. Moral, truth. moral truth. God is not going to make an exception for you, my friend. But we love each other. We lit a candle in our bedroom and we got married. Who married you? We married each other. Oh, please. Oh, I've had him say that. Christians. You know, we were reading the Bible and we said, I love you. You love me. Let's make a happy family. I said, then what happened? Well, we lit a candle and we prayed, and now we're man and wife. No, you're dumb and dumber. That's what you are right there. <laughs> oh, it's going to be one of them nights, isn't it? <laughs> but you didn't measure that stuff. And so a lot of people don't believe in absolute truth. They believe, well, that's good for you, but it's not good for me. Listen, when God wrote the Ten Commandments, he wrote it in stone. No erasers. He wasn't intended for it to be erased. And so Moses broke him, and then he made Moses chisel him the next time. And don't be breaking this again. This is hard work chiseling these things in here. It's a lot better when God just takes his finger and just writes in the rock. Is anybody hearing me? Do you know why he wrote in the rock? Because the word rock is the Hebrew picture language for father and son. So guess what Rock City is? A place of fathers and sons. Fathers and daughters. Not fathers and stooges or fathers that are, or, or workers or fathers or servants. We want sons who serve, daughters who serve. And so God's destination is to make you a son and a daughter. That's the purpose of the Ten Commandments. And the reason they're all no, 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 don't, 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 is because it's so easy for us to get in the weeds with everything that we do. It'd be like a fence right next to the highway to keep your little kids from getting killed by an oncoming core. That's the reason for the Ten Commandments. But on the other side, God has something for you that's going to release his life. So when he says, measure everything by the kingdom, whatever the Lord says in the book, whatever he says in his nature, you have to measure that stuff. Everybody say, nothing personal. personal. It's just kingdom business. Say nothing personal. personal. It's just kingdom business. So when I'm talking to people, when I get to an area where they broke the law, they outside the commandments, say, this is nothing personal, bro, but you're just out of the law. I like you, but you're dumb. I like you, but you're going to wreck your life because you're outside of the kingdom. And the next thing is where it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his moral righteousness. Let me just say, Some of you are trying to find the Lord. You will never find God outside of moral righteousness. And the reason is morals are not intellectual. Morals are spiritual. You know, we had this kid up here Wednesday. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit, probably 10 years old. The moment he gets baptized in the Spirit, he starts telling his mama, Mama, I'm a liar, I'm a liar, I'm a liar. I went like, look at God. The moment that you get spirit-filled, that spirit of truth tries to bring you to truth. Is anybody hearing that? How many were here when that little kid was going, I'm a liar, I'm a liar? 
And because he instinctively knew, if I don't get this lie thing out of me, I'm not going to be keeping close to God. So tonight, God wants to heal your identity and heal your hope. Most of the people here are living in a false identity. And there's nothing so detrimental to a human being than to be in a false identity. Nothing, because you filter the entire world around your identity. Everything, everyone, every relationship, it filters through your identity. And that's why the devil is always, always attacking identity. Everybody say, the devil, the devil. is attacking my identity. Come on, say it with sarcasm. Say, the devil, the devil. is attacking my identity. Because if you get your identity whacked out, then everything else is going to be crazy. And so when the Son of God goes to the wilderness, Satan says, if you be the Son of God. Same lie he told Adam and Eve. You're not who God says you are. You can create your own identity. First postmodern lie. Truth is not out of God. It's whatever you want it to be. And so when you start coming back to your identity, a lot of good things start happening to you. If you're depressed, confused, angry, bitter, can't find a good job, every roommate you get, it seems like you break up all the time. Maybe if you had seven roommates and you always get in a fight, maybe you're the bad roommate. <laughs> seven people can't all be right. Seven people can't all be wrong. Maybe it's you. And so what happens is that when you start having God deal with your identity, it's painful, especially if you're older, because now you begin to have sorrow about what could have been, what should have been. But that's when the Spirit of God breathes on you and gives you hope. Somebody say hope. hope. Come on, somebody say heal my hope. Heal my hope. Come on, say heal my, hope. heal my hope. Hope is not a specific thing for a specific aspect of life. Hope is a divine outlook that comes when you with Jesus Christ. That no matter what you're going through, there's going to be hope at the end. Hope means how my problems end. Jesus is working everything to bring you to a good end. That's what he really wants to do. And so here's the thing is if God can't heal your hope in that area, he can't heal you. If he can't heal your hope, then he can't heal you. If you don't have hope that God can heal my marriage, he can't heal your marriage. If you don't begin to get hope that God can redeem your son, then if you're going to be a partner in that thing, it's not going to happen because it takes hope. And then faith comes. Before you can use your faith, you've got to get hope. And so this is not only hope for one issue or one area. It's an outlook of the Holy Spirit. And so when you begin to say, you know what, I'm not... Uh, I'm not doing good, or there's no hope for me, or God doesn't love me. You know the devil's been talking to you. When you find people have been depressed for two or three months, it's the devil talking to them. They don't want to get out of bed. It's the devil talking to them. When there's no righteousness, peace, and joy, it's the devil talking to them. And so I'm going to read a very short scripture with a very large and powerful impact. When I was reading this scripture the other day, God began to speak to me about identity. 
Now, it's about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. It's in Luke chapter 15. Jesus gives three parables of the lost. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. But we're going to focus on the lost coin for tonight. Luke chapter 15, verse 8. Luke chapter 15, verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, then she, does she not light a lamp? Does she not light a lamp? Does she not sweep the house? Does she not switch carefully? Does she not search carefully until she finds it? Now, the first thing I want you to understand is that when you read the Bible, God has codes in the Bible. So this is the silver coin. Silver is always the metal of redemption. Everybody say, silver, silver. is always the metal of redemption. Jesus was esteemed for 30 pieces of silver. So whenever you see silver, that means God's willing to redeem something. He wants to get in there and change something. So look at what this woman does. Number one, she lights a lamp. She lights a lamp. The next thing, she begins to sweep the house because she knows the coin is lost in the house. The next thing is she searches carefully. She doesn't make a, just a, you know, a blow-by search. She's very careful about how she searches. The next thing, she's looking for a coin. And what makes a coin a coin in those days was the image on the coin. They would take this huge mallet, and most of the time the, the metal was soft, and they would take that mallet with an image maker, and they would stamp it. And it went from almost no value to the value of the image and the size of the coin. So she was looking for the image. She had lost the image. And so what God is saying today, I want you to do the same thing this woman did. Light a lamp. Now, he's not talking about a natural lamp. He's talking about get connected with the Holy Ghost light and say, Holy Ghost, I need to see me for the first time. You are not your talent. You are not your ability to make money. You are not your athletic ability. You are not your looks. Those are just tools that God put in your package, but that doesn't determine who you are. I said, that doesn't determine who you are. And so the thing is that God has pre-designed you to be an image. And one of the ways you can find that you have not walked in that image is you have no rest and no peace. You just get agitated at everybody. Nothing's good enough. You go from job to job, relationship to relationship, church to church, leader to leader. It's because there's something wrong in how you see yourself. And then you start measuring wrongly every single person in your life. The next thing is you sweep. Do you understand that God designed this thing that you discover him? You don't decide who you are. You discover who you are. Say, I don't decide who I am. I discover who I am. And some of you college kids and university students, you're so messed up. <laughs> Let me tell you why you're messed up. Let me tell you why you're messed up. Because the university system is based on the Greek model of learning data, learning formulas, memorization of data, and taking tests. So once you learn how to take tests and study, you could be 300,000 different professions. But that doesn't mean that's who God made you to be. I had a veterinarian one time. He was in my service, and 
I said, so what do you do, man? He says, I'm a salesman. And he was all happy. I'm a salesman. I said, what do you sell? He says, I sell veterinary products. I says, really? How long have you been doing that? Well, I've been doing it about three or four years. I said, what were you before that? He said, I used to be a veterinarian. I said, wait a minute. You went from being a veterinarian to being a salesman. Why did you do that? He says, you know, kind of shameful on his face. He goes, well, I found out I didn't like animals that much. <laughs> See, to me, you should have figured that out before you got seven years and a half a million dollars invested. But he passed the test. But he passed the test. And so here's one of the most painful things. When God begins to reveal your identity and your nature, you may have to walk away from something you've invested a lot of time and a lot of money in. Ow. Well, I got a degree in XYZ, but you're made for ABC. And if you want to be happy, you got to get rid of XYZ and move over to ABC. Because that's how God designed you. Is anybody hearing this today? And I know it's a wake-up call for many of you. Because you hate your job. 80% of the American workforce hates their job. They don't like their job. Because they're doing what they're skilled at, but what, not what they're designed for. So when you start sweeping the house about your identity, don't freak out if you find out, you know, I really don't like this. Nobody wants to walk and tell their dad after three years of college, $175,000, oops, I made a mistake. So you just go ahead and get your degree. It just turns into wallpaper. It's not something that you use. You can feel the conviction in the room. Now, as we begin to talk more about this, it's going to get more and more clear. Now, here's why. If you're not doing the thing you're born to do, you're invisible to your destiny. You're just invisible to your destiny. But when you're doing the thing that you're called to do, it's like you flame on. Everybody recognizes you. And it's not about how you look and how, how, what your weight is. And, I mean, there's a lot of singers. That one singer, Adele, man, when she first started singing, she was a chubby chaser. She was a big old gal. But, man, she has a voice. Now, they've been doing some redos on her so she looks better. But I'm telling you, this is not her weight. It was what she had in her. And a lot of you, you're judging and you're letting yourself be judged by external measurement. And it's rejecting yourself. You're a self-rejector. And so when you get to Rock City and we want to put you in the ministry, we want to put you with people in relationship, you just irritate everybody because you don't know who you are. And you got issues with everybody else, but it's because you got issues with you. And the Lord says, I'm going to send the light of the Spirit in your life. And you're going to begin to get supernatural visions and supernatural dreams, supernatural prophetic words from your Father in heaven. And I'm the voice of adjustment. And you're going to hear my voice. And God's going to begin to adjust you. And he's going to begin to set you on your course. And a lot of you in this room, you're not a failure. You're just doing the wrong thing. You're not a failure. You're just doing the wrong thing. Or maybe you're doing the right thing the wrong way. 
And when the Spirit of God sends that light, you understand your soul is the house? Do you understand your house is your own soul? That's why it says in Psalm 42, David says, he's talking to himself. He's saying, soul, why are you depressed? David's talking to his own soul. So why are you cast down? Believe in God. And so what happens is this message is going to start talking to your soul. And you're going to start talking to your soul. Soul, how come you're depressed? Soul, how come you have no money? Soul, how come you have no long-term relationships? Soul, how come you can't get along with anybody in the church? Ask those questions. That's what it means to light the, light the lamp and begin to sweep. The next thing, search carefully. Because the thing about it, the older you get, the more normal dysfunction seems. You just have coping mechanisms. Well, I just, you know how she is. You know how he is. You know how daddy and them are, you know. You know what I'm talking about. Listen, before you marry somebody, go to a family reunion. Come on now. You're going to be living with them people for the next 40 years. Yeah, Uncle Cray Cray, come around smoking reefer. Hey, 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 what's up, y'all? What's up, family? Do you really want to matter that? Now you're laughing, but some of you are saying, I should have heard this word five years ago. <laughs> but you got to understand that God says, search carefully. Choices have big consequences. And she searched until she found it. Listen to me, guys. Don't get tired. God has got something awesome in you. Come on, shout. Somebody say, I have an identity in God. I have an identity in God. Come on, say it with a sparkle in your mouth. Say, I have an identity in God. And I'm going to find it. And I'm going to find it. And I'm going to find it. And he said, it was a coin or it had an image on it. Let me tell you something. That coin was small, but it was profound. Your image is going to be something that nobody can see but you. And that image is going to be have to do, that image has got to be something that for the rest of your life, there's warfare around that image. You know, about 35 years ago, the Lord told me, you're a prophet. I didn't know what a prophet was. I didn't want to be a prophet. I didn't want to be in the ministry. I wanted to be in politics or make a lot of money. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a business guy. And he said, you're a prophet. I said, ah, no, no. What, what, what is that? What is a prophet? And then God began to visit me and started sitting in the scriptures and for over 35 years, I've had to protect that image because everybody wants to take it away from you. I'm going to say this to you. When you discover what you are, everybody guided by the devil is going to want to take away your image. Want to take away your image. And so you've got to search carefully because that little coin of your image is going to direct and determine many, many things in your life. And so today, many people here have a lost image. Now, let me just tell you why this is so important. Image is always discovered in context. Image is understood in covenant. You're going to have to find the context of your image. 
like there's a famous golf player named Tiger Woods, and he's an athlete. But would we have ever heard of Tiger Woods if it had not been for golf? You see, only in the context of golf was he a superstar. But if it had been baseball or basketball, we would have never heard of him. And so what God does is when he begins to move you, he begins to shift you and put you in the context so that you can shine and discover who you are. The next thing is he puts you in a context of covenant. Somebody shout covenant. covenant. This is the most non-covenantal society we ever had in America. You can't get people to be faithful, can't get them to be consistent. They say, yay, yay, raise your hand, say the prayer, sign the card, and then three weeks later they're disappeared. They want everything to be microwave fast. They want it to be easy. Covenant means I'm making a covenant to you and you're making one to me. And if the conditions change, our covenant doesn't change. Our covenant doesn't change. And so when God starts shaping your identity, it's going to be inside of a certain kind of context, a sort of a certain kind of context. It's going to be in a certain kind of covenantal relationship. Because it's something that's discovered over time. And everybody here is unique. And most of the church throws formulas every Sunday on people. You want to be this? Here's a formula. Here's a formula. You cannot find a friend with a formula. You cannot find your destiny with a formula. Because you are so unique. You're a little bit eccentric. Whenever you discover the real you, you're a little eccentric. There's something in little, I know I'm eccentric. I know I'm weird and eccentric. And I like it. Your pastor, David Vendette, he's a whole lot weird and eccentric. And he likes it. And so he said, I want to be free, I want to be free, I want to be free. You're not going to be free until you're a little bit eccentric. You're not going to be free until you're inside the context of how God made you. You're not going to be free until you're inside the context of covenant. Now, it's not going to be unbiblical. It's not going to be unethical. It's not going to be immoral or illegal. If it's unbiblical, unethical, immoral, or illegal... God's not going to be there. That's just you being demonic. You're just demon baby. Everybody go, demon baby. Demon baby. You just be demon baby. But inside that context, God gives you an ability to discover who you are. And that's what all of you are hungering for here today, even the most, the eldest of you. Honestly, as the people that got white hair, you're probably in your 60s. Man, you got 20 good more years left. Just, just figure it out. And don't regret, you know, I shouldn't have done this and I could have done that. Hey, you can't go backwards. But we can sure change the future. And I'm telling you, the Lord is about to light the lamp in your soul. I'm telling you, he's about to light the lamp in your soul. Some of you church bananas don't hear me, but I'm going to say it again. He's about to light the lamp in your soul. He's about to give you a dream or a vision or illumination or a, con or a conversation. 
or a conversation, you're going to go, whoa. But what happens usually before you find a good person, you've got to get all that junk out of your life and say, you know, this is not you, this is not you, this is not you. And Abram was a perfect prophetic picture of somebody who didn't know who he was and finding out who he was. He says, leave your father because he's not it. And leave your nephew Lot because he's not it either. And of course, Abram took his nephew Lot and there was nothing but problems. And Abram never found out who he really was till he separated from Lot. Can I tell you, it sounds cruel, but there's some people that are stopping you becoming you. They're stopping you from becoming you. Every time you get around, they just seem to drag drama in your life. It's like they like drama. You know why they like drama? Because drama makes them the center of attention. And they'd rather be the center of attention with drama than not be seen. Hello? And you ain't got to be mean about it, but in your head you got to say, mmm, that leaves drama. That brother's some drama. And the Spirit of God is here to begin to fall on you. Identity is who you are. And there's many people in marriage and relationships, you got a problem with intimacy. Intimacy is not a sexual term first. It's a relational term. It's not a sexual term. We were intimate. No. And if what happens is that when you get around them, you can just show off who you are without shame, without fear, with hope. See, if you can't reveal who you are to people and you feel like they're going to give me anxiety, they're going to condemn me, they're going to shame me, there is no intimacy in the relationship. And that's why men and women go into affairs. Why? We were made for intimacy. Say, I was made for intimacy. Say, I was made for intimacy. And here's how you know you're in a non-intimacy relationship is if you say, I'd like to tell her this, but ooh, I don't want to hear all that drama. Or I'd like to say this to him, or I don't want to hear his big mouth condemning me. You're, you're getting set up for an affair, my friend, with the opposite sex because that desire for intimacy or fulfillment. It's like the guy in the Super League Enlisting Church. He went and he bought a, he went and he bought a, uh, a lotto ticket and he won a million dollars. But because in such a legalistic church, he couldn't celebrate with anybody. I want a million dollars, but who do I tell? See, your life is supposed to be a celebration. Yeah. I said your life is supposed to be a celebration. But if you have people that won't celebrate your life with you, they want to condemn you and beat you down, you're going to live a pretty depressing, hiding life, and you're going to get addicted to something else besides intimacy. And that's what I like about Pastor Dave. He'll tell his stuff. The reason the church is growing is that he's creating an atmosphere where it's okay to be intimate. It's okay to fail. It's okay to be messed up. We're not going to leave you messed up. You come here messed up, we're going to point the finger at you and deal with your issues and have a nice confrontational talk. Confrontation just means take something from the back and bring it to the front. But we know that if you hide and you don't reveal yourself, you will never be happy, but you will cause problems everywhere you go. Now, when the father starts dealing with us, hear this. 
When the Father starts convicting you, he's not just coming to tell you something's wrong. Yeah, he'll tell you something's wrong, but his goal is to find out what's missing. He wants to find out what's missing in the relationship, missing in your life. He wants to find the thing that you don't have in your life. And so the wrong thing is a substitute for the thing you're supposed to have to get that out because that's a substitute and I'm going to bring the real thing for you. And so don't get all stressed out when God starts dealing with your negatives. He said this is a substitute for what should be there. And your father loves to do that because he wants to restore what's missing. Don't be afraid to look at reality. Don't be afraid to ask reality questions. Because if you won't ask reality questions, you will end up in the dark. You will be up in the dark. Now, one of the things that changed in my life many, many years ago is when I read this scripture, it brought a great peace to me. Because God wants you to be ambitious. Say, God wants me to be ambitious. But he wants it to be kingdom ambition. Say so he wants it to be kingdom ambition. You know, I don't trust any person who doesn't have ambition. I don't trust you. Because I know that God made you for ambition. And if you don't exhibit any ambition, I know you're going to betray. You're going to confuse. You're going to mess up people's lives. You were designed for ambition. John chapter 3, verse 26 and 27 when Jesus comes on the scene, John's been there for two or three years, and all of a sudden, Jesus' movement begins to suck all the people out of John's movement. They begin to leave. And here's what John says. One of the disciples said, hey, John, all your church are going up to Jesus. And here's what he said. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified? Behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. And here's what he said. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. The Lord says, son, I never made you a senior pastor. I made you a prophetic architect. Be happy. You're never going to be the pastor of a mega church. I made you a prophetic architect. Be happy. I made you to travel to the third world nations. Be happy. 70% of my ministry is overseas. And see, when you understand there are boundaries in your identity, Somebody say, there are boundaries, there are boundaries. In, my in my identity. And somebody's going to try to get you to cross the boundary, and it's going to mess up your life. They're going to say, wouldn't you like this? Wouldn't you like this? This is exactly what Satan did to Jesus in the wilderness. The next thing is that God has put a grace anointing or a grace package, gift package inside of you. He's put this amazing gift package inside of you. But let me tell you how it operates. Matthew chapter 11, verse 27 and 29. Matthew chapter 11, verse 27 down to verse 29. This is very critical. Jesus says, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. Everybody say, it's going to come from the Father. <laughs> say, identity comes from the Father. Comes from the Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Your identity will never be revealed or discovered by you outside of God's context of Father and Son. You'll never have it revealed to you. You'll be a gifted person, but you'll be a performance guy. That, that iconic comedian, Robin Williams, committed suicide. 
Why would that guy commit suicide? Because he got to a place in his life where he didn't have identity. He was a performance guy. And he wasn't getting the good parts or what he was before. He just said, I have no value. But if you're a son and a daughter. Come on, if you are a son and a daughter. You always, always, always have value. No matter what you're doing, you have valuable you have a valuable position in the father's house. You're a son, you're a daughter. And that's why the message of sonship is so critical to put in young Christians. Because if you don't put the message of sonship in young Christians, they're going to be performance Christians. They're going to find what they can do, making money or singing or prophesying or deliverance. They're going to be known by what they do, not who they are. I said they're going to be known by for what they do, not who they are. And there's many people that have no rest because there is no rest outside the father's house. The son is always in the house. And then he says, come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He did not say, I'll give you inactivity, but in the activity, I'll give you rest. See, when you're doing what you're born to do, it's so easy. It is so easy. I was born to do this job. I never stress about what I'm going to preach. I never stress about what I'm going to say because I'm in my sweet spot. But you take me out of the ministry and put me into hospitals or certain kind of counseling. I, like, I don't like this. I feel drained. Let me give you a key to know who you're not. If you are drained and drained and drained, that's not you. But if you come out and you're energized and you're just motivated, no matter how many hours you work, man, you're doing the thing you were born to do. And there is no retirement in the kingdom. Somebody say, there's no retirement, there's no retirement. In, the in the kingdom. I see my friend David Moody over here. He's a black guy. And one day he says, I'm tired of being black. I'm going to retire from being black. No retirement from being black, my brother. I'm tired of being Mexican. Old Fabian old back there. I'm tired of being Mexican. No, no retirement for being Mexican, brother. You can't do that. You see, when God makes you something, there's no retirement. How you do it and where you do it may change or shift, but you're always going to be doing the thing that you were born to do because it's in you. It's not something that you do. It's who you are. Come on. It is not something that you're doing. It's who you are. And no matter if you're at a restaurant, no matter if you're in a junkyard, no matter if you're in a home or a penthouse or on a car ride, it's going to come out of you. It's going to come out of you. And see, a lot of you, hope is coming. Hope is coming. He's going to light that prophetic lamp, and you're going to search your soul. And you're going to begin to find the thing that you were born to do. You're going to find the man you were born to grow into. You're going to find the woman you were born to grow into. You see, you can do all this ministry in Rock Church. But if I'm pouring the ministry into somebody who's misidentified, if you're misidentified, you're going to be disqualified. And we wasted all these messages and all these prophecy and all this worship because I put it into somebody who's misidentified. Is anybody hearing this? Then he says, take my yoke. Oh, I love this scripture. Take my yoke upon you. 
Learn from me. That means there's going to be a continual conversation. Somebody say a continual conversation. Then he says, I'm gentle and lowly of heart. I'm humble of heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, here's how this deal works. It's a two-sided yoke. You're on one side. Jesus on the other side of the yoke. You're working, but he's on the other side of the yoke. It's like working with a chainsaw. How many understand that if you have a chainsaw, who's doing the sawing? The saw. Who's doing the holding? You. That's kind of how it is. I'm in place, but the Lord's power is walking with me, and he's giving me conversations. Go this way. Go that way. Do it this way. Hear me. And there's a yoke for ministry. There's a yoke for business. There's a yoke for relationships. There's a yoke for everything that God tells you to do. And let me tell you something. If God told you to do it, there's no such thing as a lowly job. If you're shining shoes, Jesus is with you. Come on, if you're a trash man, be a prophetic trash man. Come on, if you're a waiter at IHOP, International House of Prophecy. Somebody say, Nick, in light. Man, that, if that's where God put him right now, he's in the will of God. And don't make him feel bad because he's serving at IHOP. Maybe you're making seven times more money, but you want to put a gun to your head and shoot yourself because you're not doing the thing you're born to do. Hello? Man, you get disastrous consequences. The Bible said that David was a king, and it was the time that kings go to war. In that season, David didn't go to war. He should have been in war, but he was on his rooftop, and that's when he saw Bathsheba, and he got into an affair. If he had been where God wanted him, this would have never happened. Man, I just feel the Holy Ghost is lighting lamps in this house. The next thing is, don't be offended at who God is making you to be. You know, when I first started getting this whole idea about being a prophet, man, I was offended all the time about what God wanted me to do. Because I was in the land of pastor-teacher and teacher-pastor. Very nice, sweet people. God bless you. We're so glad you come to our church. There was no Rock City rocket. There's none of that stuff right there. It was like soft organ music. You know, we're so glad you're here. Have a nice seat. Don't raise your hands too high. Don't get too loud. It'll be over in about 30 seconds. Matthew chapter 11, verse 6. Because there were people in this room. You're offended at the thing that God's making you. You want to be something else. You want to be something else. Matthew 11, verse 6, down to verse 14. The word offense means to put a stumbling block. But blessed is he who is not offended because of me. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes about John the Baptist, What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Three times he asked this question. What did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Those that wear soft garments are in king's house. The actual word in the Greek is a calamite or a boy slave prostitute for men. That's what the word is. It's a boy that's a slave for prostitution for men. And so what did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I say more than a prophet. So this is whom of it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before you. 
who will prepare your way before you. Surely I said to you that among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and laws prophesied unto John, and if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. And the people were offended at John the Baptist. And because I'm in America and we're in these services where, where everything is so polite and nice, and I'm a prophet, I began to get those ugly looks. Be more quiet. Don't be so aggressive. When you cast out demons, have the demons behave better. <laughs> well, how did a pastor tell me that? Now, Kevin, we, we want the demons to come out, but they're just making way too, too much noise. Listen, I have no control over loud demons, brother. Would you want it out or do you want it in? I can push you back in there. I'll find some way to push you back in if you don't want it. I'm, t- I'm telling the truth. They said, you know, your ministry is so messy. Well, look at what Jesus' ministry was. But they kind of made me offended at my own anointing. And I had to push past it. That happened to Pastor Dave. He got into a context of a situation. And they tried to turn a racehorse into a donkey, pull him a cart, and that's not him. It's like taking a Ferrari through the school zone. It's not what it was designed for. Come on. And they said, now be calm, little Davy. Be, be calm, little Davy. Don't be so loud. Don't be so radical. Wear a suit. Wear a tie. That's not David. How many are saying that's not David. But the vessel doesn't change what's inside the vessel. This is who God made him to be. And there are people in this room tonight. You are offended at the thing that God is making you because you want to fit in with every single other person. You want to fit in with that group over here and that group over there. Mama and them and daddy and them. And God says you've been called out. God says you have been called out for something different. And there is something happening in this room right now. I said there's something happening in this room right now. And let me tell you something. The reason I like this church is I get to take the Ferrari out for a drive. I can prophesy, cast out devils. We can make the worship more aggressive. Is anybody hear what I'm saying? Well, I just don't like the rock church. It's just too loud. Okay, not your tribe. See you in heaven. (laughs) Don't demonize our tribe. Just go to the powder puff church, the marshmallow church. We're throwing marshmallows at the devil. We're doing marshmallow warfare. Well, that's not this church, guys. And I got offended because I got around all these Peter Pan pastors and when God began to use me with the spirit of might, when things began to rock and shake and people began to weep and demons began to come out, we would go back in the room after the meeting and it was that uncomfortable silence in the room. We just had this awesome meeting. We're just sitting there eating our food, looking at each other. Nobody's saying anything. They're wondering, how fast can I get out of this green room in this church? Because something 
like what happened in the church may happen in me. Now, here's the thing with American churches. They've been captured by the culture. They've been captured by politically correct. They've reduced Jesus down to pastor, teacher, teacher, pastor. They made the pastor a deacon. You're supposed to serve me, pastor. His job is to lead, not to be a chaplain. He's called to be a captain. I said he's not called to be a chaplain. He's called to be a captain. And there's some of you. God made you a little bit different. Let me tell you what evens us out is the fruit of the Spirit. Don't blame an obnoxious, arrogant attitude when I'm a prophet. No, you're a dummy. I know a lot of dummy prophets. Get some fruit, brother. Get some fruit. You can have fire, but you've got to have fruit. See, there's got to be some fruit in your fire. Come on, there's got to be some fruit in your fire. Now, right now, I just sense the Spirit of God is coming in this room and lighting a candle. He's lighting something in your spirit. Quit looking to heaven, my friend. Look inside of you. Say, inside of me, inside of me. is a full-grown Jesus. Full Come on, you have permission to be an on-fire Christian. When I've got the microphone, say, inside of me, inside of me. is a full-grown Jesus. Come on, say, inside of me, inside of me. is a full-grown Jesus. And so when you look in your soul, that full-grown Jesus is going to manifest how he wants to manifest in you. And I'm not saying everybody's got to be loud and aggressive, but if that's who you are, do it. Now, if somebody's more quiet, don't say, well, you got to be loud and aggressive. You're going to be a serving God at Rock Church. No, 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 not everybody's supposed to do that. But we want you to be on fire. We want you to be committed. But most of all, we want you to recognize your identity. You have been listening to a message by Prophet Kevin Leal at Rock City Church in Corpus Christi, Texas. For more information on Prophet Kevin's ministry, visit kevinleal.org. Or for more information on Rock City Church, please visit rockcitycorpus.com. And have an awesome, rockin', fired-up day.